as we begin, just allow me to just to pray just briefly, and then we are going to start. Now, Father, we thank you this morning for the grace that we have. We thank you that you have pulled us out of that quagmire, the mud place that we were a long time ago, some of us, but you pulled us out, Father God, and established us on, 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 on solid ground. You washed us, you cleansed us, you made us whole. You placed your name on us, you put your spirit in us, and you call us by your name. You, you call us by your name. How glorious. Father, it is our singular honor to represent you on earth. It is our greatest honor to walk upon the face of the earth, knowing that you are our Father. For the Lord Jesus said, pray thus. He said, pray our Father in heaven. We have a Father in heaven. Everything about us flows from heaven. Our tendencies, we mimic him, we resemble him, we take after him, because our culture flows from heaven. And so, Father, we thank you this morning for the grace that you have given us, Lord God, even to understand these things, uh, the, 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 the grace to understand when we open the pages of the Bible, yes. that you grant us the favor even to, to have revelation and to know what's going on. We thank you and we, we bless your people as they have connected today. We pray that as we minister your word, it impacts them and it begins to build. We pray that those who are weak be strong. Yes, those God. who are discouraged, faith begins mm -hmm. to come. I pray, Father God, that those who look down upon themselves and have a low self-esteem as the word is preached, something happens in their spirit and they begin to look at themselves through the optics of heaven, through the eyes of God, yes. in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, family. I have my biological family around me here, uh, all of them except Levi. Uh, is Levi is here just behind this table they are telling me, but I have everybody here. So we welcome you uh, from here. We are in Morningside, Deben, uh, in the province of KwaZulu-Natal. I am uh, Zipotabash, uh, pastoring Kingdom Embassy House in the city of Deben, in the name of Jesus. So I want to welcome all of you who are joining us. Uh, we have since, uh, the numbers have since increased. So I want to talk to you today about what the Lord has impressed in my heart uh, on our core values. Um, I need to speak to you about this. I believe it is very strong in the heart of God. I believe that the, everything about us being Christian on earth hinges upon certain things not what we have grown to know traditionally, but there are things which are in the heart of the Father concerning his people. Remember that we represent a brand heaven, a brand Jesus, and that is glorious. That is glorious. If, uh, if you understand those things, you will begin to realize that God wants us to glorify his name, to hallow his name in the earth, yeah. uh, to... The word hallow means to set apart or to sanctify. His name must be set apart from every other name by those who are here called the body of Christ, the Christian. So if we are to do that effectively, there are things that you and I must understand over and above the, all the, the, the fanfare, the, the hype 
and the stuff that we love doing, there are nitty-gritty substantive issues in the kingdom that, that, re, that require all of us to, to just to sit down in the pew and begin to listen. And the sobering truths that the Lord God needs us to hear. And so this morning, uh, this is one of those things. And I'm praying to the Lord that as we begin to minister to you, it, um, it, it makes sense to you. And you, you begin to get a perspective of what God feels about these things. So I want us to go in our Bibles in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 18. Now there the Bible says, who do people say the Son of Man is? The Lord Jesus asking his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it in Jesus' name. Amen. According to the scripture, there is a church or there are people. Remember that the word church makes reference to people, not a building. By now you know that. The word church, every time you see it, I know that we use it interchangeably to refer to a place where we go to. A place of worship and that is in order but I want you to also understand that primarily essentially uh, the word church refers to people we are the people when the church is shut the doors are closed the church leaves the building amen when the pastor says amen the church leaves the building so according to what we have read here there is a church or people that the gates of hell will not overcome or prevail over. There is such people on earth today that the gates of hell shall not overcome or prevail over. Now, I want us to zero in on this word gate because in me introducing the values, there are certain things that we need to understand uh, broadly, a uh, family. The gates referred to here are not in hell uh, because the church has no business uh, with the gates in hell. We are here. God has assigned a domain to us called planet Earth. This is where we administrate and conduct kingdom business. This is where he said you bind and you loose. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose or release in the earth is released in the heavens. So we have no interactions with the underworld, uh, as it were. We, we don't transact that way. We transact from the earth upwards. And whatever that is here that does not align with the will of God, we bind it. He says, cast, um, cast out them devils. And we said, uh, preach the word of God to them who are here, those who are upon the face of the earth. 
So we know that we can't pray people out of hell. We can't pray that the gates of hell be open so that those who are stuck behind those gates come into the head. We can't pray such prayers. The word gate in Greek means power or authority. Power or authority. It also means door, a transition place from one uh, area to another area. Let me repeat that because it's going to be important that you understand uh, as we lay foundation. The word gate in Greek means power, it means authority. It also means door. Uh, it means a transition place from one domain to another domain, from one area to another area. In the book of John, chapter 10, verse 9, uh, there Jesus says, I am the door. In other translations, they say, I am the gate. I am the door. By me, if any man enter, he shall be saved and shall go in and go out and shall find pasture. In the NIV, it says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, the next question becomes this one. What does a gate or a door do? What does a gate do? What does a door do? We know that a gate allows in and it shuts out. It allows in and it shuts out. So in the Bible, the word door is often mentioned in relation to someone uh, transitioning from one place to another. Uh, Jesus says that they are gates of hell, gates of hell. Then he says, he himself is a gate. Now, follow me, family. He himself is a gate. We know that for Satan to transition into the earth realm, he needs gates or doors or passageways or portals for him to transition himself from his realm or domain to our domain. According to the laws of the Spirit, the word which some of you have heard me use before, according to the spiritual jurisprudence, the spirit world has got no business operating here without human instrumentality. In other words, the spirit world is shut according to the laws of the Spirit. For heaven, the kingdom of light, to do operations in the earth, if the Lord is going to bless and restore, in the earth, he needs a human being. He needs someone to put to, to first redeem, wash, wash in the blood, put his spirit in, and he gives them ears to hear and a mouth to speak, and he begins to uh, administrate his affairs through that one. Same thing applies with the kingdom of darkness. They have no business, they have no jurisdiction upon the face of the earth. The only authority they get given is through someone who commits sin. Then that particular person gives them a legal right to gain entry into our sphere and they begin to vandalize and do whatever they, they are meant to do. This is why in the book of Genesis, we know that there has never been a time where animals spoke. If you read the Bible literally and you thought that uh, there was a time when snakes or serpents spoke some language 
then you don't you're not you're not uh, interpreting scriptures properly what happens is that the the enemy because he could not just come and interface with adam and eve he had to get into a immortal being in that instance it was the serpent he had to uh, get into the body of the snake and through the body of a snake and begin to communicate because they are not allowed anything the lord god is going to do in the earth is going to do it through his people he calls them the church same thing applies with the enemy whatever that is going to do he will do it through his people who are here now he transitions himself the enemy from the demonic realm into the earth realm through a gate of hell on earth a person let me repeat that the enemy transitions himself he moves himself from whoever is his demonic realm into the earth through a gate of hell on earth which is a person it is that person that gives satan power or authority into the earth this is why the lord god speaks against sin there is no other um, green light that the enemy waits for except someone who disobeys god who commits sin when you do that you become a portal or an entry point a door or a window or a passageway through which the enemy through you he gains access into the physical realm yeah. and it begins to wreak havoc in the earth why do you think jesus had to die on the cross for sin what is it about sin so serious that it would require heaven for one of them when the lord god wanted to sort out i've, I've told you these things before when the lord god wanted to sort out the philistines and the giants in the in in in, in the ancient world he raised certain men to deal with those in one instance he raised david to deal with the goliath uh, he raised joshua to deal with the all this all the uh, ites that were there seven nations of giants that were there uh, in in different dispensations god had always looked down upon the face of the earth to look for a man or a woman to use to sort certain things out but when he had to deal with this one enemy called sin he didn't look down upon the earth he turned around and looked within his inner circle he found himself his own begotten son and uh, according to the writings of scripture bible says who shall go uh, in the in the council of heaven we know that the lord jesus came and he died on the cross for us so that we could be uh, redeemed in the chains that boundless could be broken the chains of sin what is it about sin so so powerful that the entire heaven would really place their gaze upon the earth when he hung on the cross it is because sin is the only thing on earth that gives satan license to come into our realm sin is like a portal when i walk in sin and disobedience i immediately become a gate of hell yeah so the person who disobeys god uh, gives satan power or authority into the earth there are people in your life who are your potential gate to hell there are people in your life who are your potential gate to hell see she's not just a person whoever she is 
and he is not just a person, whoever he is, they are a gate. They are a gate at every given moment. You and I are surrounded by people who are potentially their gates into a dimension. In the same breath, there are people in your life who are a gate to heaven. They are not just people. They are a gate. They transition you. They are meant to transition you from one place, from one dimension into another dimension. They transition you from one place of glory to another place of glory. So it is important that we understand that human beings are referred to as gates. Jesus said, listen to this family, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I want to repeat what I said to you before. You are surrounded by gates. Every person in your life represents an invitation. They represent an invitation, an invitation to another dimension. It is either to uh, the dimension of, of God, it's or the dimension of the demonic. They, it does not matter how they look like, they may look very attractive, they may look very flamboyant, and uh, they look very expensive, but according to ancient wisdom and the scriptures, as they are written, a human being at any given moment is a gate, uh, ushering someone else into their dimension. Amen. So some are an invitation to a more relaxed Christianity. You know, you meet someone and you are on fire for God and you spend time with this person and that is, you, you are on fire for God. And somehow your interaction, this relationship begins to put a damper. And uh, after some time, you know, it's just, it's just casual. Uh, you are dealing with the gate. They were ushering you in a certain realm. Uh, some invitation uh, to a deeper relationship with God. There's another invitation. Someone represents an invitation, a door into a relationship with God. You know, you were just uh, going to church, you know, because I happen to have a, a new shed, whatever it is, no different reasons why people go to church. And then this person you meet, your relationship with them begins to draw you into a, a deeper relationship with God. Others, they are an invitation to you back to Egypt. Others, they an invitation to the wilderness. You will know this because you have uh, interacted with a whole range of people in your life. And uh, you know the effects and the impact they have and the marks they have left in your life after a while. Do you uh, have people, family, I know you, you do, people who ridicule your, your holiness, who mock your boundaries. When you tell them, no, I, I am a believer. This is how far I go uh, with regards to what I believe in, what I value in my life. They mock that. They ridicule that. Do you have people in your life who make you want to put your Christian tag in your back pocket? 
just for a few moments while you are with them. They, they just make you feel so embarrassed. They have an aura. They have this, 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 this thing about them. When you are in their presence, you, you lose your boldness as a child of God. When you move in those circles, there is something about those circles that want you to just put your, your Christian tag under the table for a while. When you leave them, you pull it out, you put it on your chest, and now you are a Christian. There are people like that. Every person is a gate. Every person is a door. Every person is an invitation to some level, to some dimension in the spirit. Amen. There are people uh, in your life who irritate you because they tell you the truth. Do you know those people? People who just... They're so irritating. Friends are so irritating because they tell you the truth. When you look at them, you listen to them speak. They, they, they bring a conviction in your spirit. Uh, they remind you of your sin and, and your backsliding. Their mere presence in your life condemns you. There are people like that. They are a gate. They are a door. They are an invitation in your life pulling you into a certain dimension in God. They are gates, they are doors, they are portals. I want you to understand that they are in, an invitation to some place. Every human being has that about them. This is why we are spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. You are a spirit. Wherever you invest in, whatever you invest in, that becomes your atmosphere. Yeah. Every human being carries an atmosphere about them. Hallelujah. I wanted to understand that. Have you ever spoken to someone? And while you are speaking, I, I've had those um, moments in my life. You're speaking to someone and, uh, and, and, and you sense the Holy Spirit jump inside of you. As you speak to it, there's something about this person. They stir the Holy Ghost in you. That's what happens with, 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 with Johan and, 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 and Mary and the mother of John. There's something moving within them. And uh, there are people like that. You, you, you spend time with them and you sense the Holy Spirit. They are a gate. They usher you in, in the presence. Amen. You say, what has this to do with, um, with, with, with our values and core values? You, you, you will find out very soon. But it is very important, family, that we, we understand these things broadly. In Jesus' name. You know, you speak to someone. Let me give you these instances, Bazalwan. Have you ever spoken to someone and uh, you feel carnal, just feel dirty? You feel like there's grease on your soul, spiritually heavy. You feel like when you leave their presence, you need to go and have a spiritual shower. There are people like though, I know someone like that. They're not, they're not saved still. So you kind of shun them. Because they have a, people are full of whole lot of devils in them. They are full of lust. They are full of stuff. So it comes out through their mouth. As a man thinketh so easy, and it comes out through their mouth. And so it begins to defile you. It begins, or oh, someone else who represents, who is a portal or a gate or a door to another dimension. When they speak, something begins to stay and you can sense heaven kind of landing right there on that spot. Glory to Jesus. Don't we need people like that, the family? I believe we are one of those people in the name of Jesus. 
I want you to know, and I stress this point again, they represent a gate. You yourself, by the way, you represent a, a particular gate. I don't know when you interact with people in which dimension you pull them into. Whatever that you, 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 you discuss with people, you, you are pulling them into a certain realm. Hallelujah. The saddest part about this is when someone joins a church, they are really hungry for God. They are joining this church because they are really on fire. There are people who have been in this church for 10, 15 years, but they are just dead wood people. Now, the person is, doesn't know all this, begins to mingle with this group because they are here. You know, they're going to welcome the person, orientate the person in terms of the church culture and everything else. But the more time he or she spends with this group, they begin to drown and the fire that they came with and the hunger and the appetite for God that they had when they came begins to die. It is sad when that begins to happen. Now, Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. I want you to know that he builds his church on the rock of his word. Yes. Let me repeat that. The Lord God builds his church on the rock of his word. It is when we stand on the Petra of his word that the gates of hell fail to prevail over us. Let me repeat that. When we stand upon the rock of God's word, that the gates of hell that Jesus made reference to, they are not able to overcome. There is a church that the gates of hell on earth will not be able to prevail over in Jesus' name. It is his word, family, that becomes the foundation of our values. It's not what I think. It is, you see, values, if I can get into that, values are your strong-held beliefs. Values are your strong-held beliefs. They determine whose invitation you respond to. They determine which door you go through. They determine which window, which gate you enter into. Values are boundaries. Values are, are yardsticks. They are borderlines and so on. They determine which voice, which voice you listen to. The Lord just said, my ship, not my voice. That's what he said. So Jesus is building his church, Bazalwane. On solid rock, solid rock, Petra, solid rock. Values reflect uh, our sense of knowing. I know, so I won't be moved. I know the word. I know what the word says with regards to this particular issue. I know what God has said. Values reflect your sense of knowing and being anchored. In the word of God. I know because I know. So I won't bend. Because I know. So I won't be detoured. Because I know. I won't compromise. I know the will of God. In this area. Hence I won't take the bait. It does not matter. How attractive the bait is. It does not matter. How glorious the carrot is. I will not take the bait. Why? Because I know. 
in the face of extreme pain and loss, remember the story of Job. Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives. At that moment in time, his wife, we know now that she represented a door. She represented a gate because she tells him, why don't you kiss your God and die? Mm -hmm. Had Job listened to his wife, then he would have gotten and transitioned from a place of faith in God, a, a place of boldness and, and anchored belief and faith in God, transitioned through whatever his wife said into the realm of unbelief, and he would begin to deteriorate and die and spend eternity in hell. Now, family, I wanted to understand that in the face of that, he says, I know there's something about knowing values. They are built upon revelation of what God has pronounced on an issue, whether it's family, whether it's sexuality, whether it's finances, what are the pronouncements of God? Has God said what has been established in the word of God? Then I begin to build upon that. King David in Psalm 135, he says, I know that the Lord is great. Isaiah said, I know that I shall not be ashamed. In Isaiah 50 verse 7, I know that I shall not be ashamed. So there is something about you knowing you cannot have godly values if you are ignorant of the word of God. Because where are we building our values on? People of values are people who have come to know the truth of God's word. Let me repeat that. People of values are people who have come to know the truth of God's word. And as such, they have built a tower upon the truth. They have built a refuge. The Bible calls it a citadel, a, a fortress or a fortified place. I read the Bible and I find a truth on a on marriage, for instance, or on whatever, on ever, whatever truth. And because I am convinced that this is the will of God concerning this issue, it could be homosexuality, it could be whatever issue, I begin to build a tower on the truth. I begin to build a refuge, a citadel, a fortress, a place of refuge upon that place. If it's the area of family, that the Bible addresses to them, family becomes a fortified place. You cannot tell me anything about family other than what God says about it. It becomes a citadel. Must look up these words. It's a non-negotiable in other words. When we mention the words fortress, refuge, understand that we are talking about structures that are immovable. Structures that are set that's why the army would run to a fortress because that was their place of hiding. So once the Bible has pronounced on something, once I know the will of God, I begin to build on that. It becomes a non-negotiable, non-negotiable. If it is sexuality, they build a tower. They build their sexuality on God's word. 
They build their sexuality on God's word. They know what God has said concerning that issue. Their revelation has become a fortress family. Please come with me. Their understanding of what this book declares, they are understanding, they've read, and they've come to know the will of God concerning these issues. So their understanding of sexuality and, and whatever other issue that gets addressed in the Bible, revelation becomes their fortress. The enemy cannot breach it. No celebrity can breach it. I don't care how well they speak, they, these orators and people who speak so well. Once a truth has become a citadel, has become a fortress, no one, it's unshakable. No one in their wisdom, no one in their oratory and their semantics, how they play with words, you are established anchored on solid ground in the truth of God's word in Jesus name. Now, there are three categories of values that we have come to know of. Uh, there are personal values, personal values, and there are traditional values. There are core values. So if you can imagine, if I can try to do this, uh, and show it to you. If we have three circles, I'm going to show it to you just now. So, the, I don't know if you can see that. You can't see it. The, the circle on the outside, if you can see it, uh, that is your, those are your personal values. And then the next circle, those are your family values. And then the one in the center, that represents your core values. Now, it is very important for me that we understand that in our, in our, as we discuss these things now. So, let us briefly, because uh, we are running out of time, let me talk to you quickly about personal values uh, for a Christian. Now, we have said what we have said because I want you to learn to build a fortified place on certain truths in the Bible. Don't build on shaky grounds. Mm -hmm. Don't build on eggshells. Don't build on, on, on moving sands. Mo build on solid rock. Yes. So that when, wherever you go, it doesn't matter if you get transferred by your employer to another province. You don't die there. You are moving with revelation, the are truths anchored in your soul, and you have established them as citadels in your spirit, unshakable by no one. Personal values for a Christian. Now, you will understand that these three circles, the first two, it is as if they are meant to protect the one in, inside, the core value. If you can take care of the, of the outside values and you are strong in your personal values and you are strong in your family values, it takes care of your core values. But if you are weak in the other two, you are basically borderless. These two serve as, as, as safeguards. So personal values is reading your Bible daily, 
These are personal values. Now, somebody else will have something else. See, they, 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 they are changing. This is why they are not poor. But as a Christian, reading your Bible daily, praying daily, that you establish that as your personal, personal value. It distinguishes you from a non-Christian. There must be something about us. There must be disciplines about us that differentiate us from one teenager to another teenager, from one adult to another adult. There must be certain things we do. Praying daily, going to church every Sunday. These are my personal values because I know that real Christians go to church. Not when I feel like it, not when my emotions, when I wake up on the right side of the bed, then I can go. When I have got no other business uh, that's more important, no. I, I have established this, that I, as Zipotabash, I am a born-again Christian. I will read my Bible every day. I will pray every day. I will go to church every day. These are my values. And I will have friends who are Christians. We know now that they are gates of heaven. Uh, a decision never to hit a woman. See, these are my personal values. I made a decision. It's a personal value. My, if you have those, they get somehow transferred to your kids. So you, you, can, you can have your own list, but I am just giving you an idea. Decision never to take extra change given to you by mistake. This is not just what happens by accident. It is established. You have made a decision. I will never take extra change should someone give me at a shop by mistake. It doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter how much it is. It's just set. It's a personal value. I will never shout at my wife. Ever. That's a personal value. You, you, you establish those things. And you check. You monitor yourselves going forward. Will never smack my kids. Mashang and Pama. It will never happen. I will never smack my kids. That's personal value. I can discipline them in one way or the other, but I will never smack them. That, that's, that's, that's not what I will do. That's said. So you may disagree or agree with this, but this is, this is some of the things that you can establish for yourself as your personal values. And your multi-millionaire friend and your friend who's got 10 million uh, followers on Instagram, they cannot move you. This is who you are. You change this, you begin to change your very identity. All right. Family values, quickly. These are like my family values, and uh, you, you will may probably have your own family values. Uh, no alcohol has ever walked through the doors of our house. See, no alcohol is known here. That's, that's, that's my, my kids detest alcohol. My boys, my daughter, they don't like cigarette. The walls in our house, there is no cigarette smoke that has ever crawled on the walls of the Kabasha household. It's never happened and it will never happen. If someone important would walk into our house, we would have to ask that person. I wouldn't even have to do it. Joshua would do it, Gwenza would do it, Nandi would do it, Levi would do it. Tell them, sir, please, uh, this family, we do not smoke in here. Can you please go outside and do that? No alcohol, no glass in this household will ever have a scent taste of alcohol. It will never happen. I will not even put, they will push against it. 
So I wanted to understand these things, family. No tabash. These are family values. No tabash here will ever drink alcohol or wine or smoke cigarette. Now, you say, but how do you know? They are still teenagers. I, I know. I know. See, they are my kids. And I, I trust God that even as they grow, you say, but you don't know. Well, let's say, let's trust God. And I trust God with me. And I trust God with you. But I tell you this. No Tabash will ever drink alcohol. I've never drank alcohol. Perhaps they will take it from me. Before I got saved, I didn't drink alcohol. I didn't smoke. There's no one in our household. So let's move on from there. I'm just giving you, Bazalwani, examples. As a family, these are our family values. We spend time on Fridays as a family around the table. We have encouraged you to send those pics on, uh, on our church group. We spend, it's family tradition. It's, it's, it's family values. I've told them that whatever that we do, it's transgenerational. What we do, Joshua will do that in his household. Quenza will do the same. Nandi will do the same. Uh, Levi will do the same. These family values are transgenerational. I encourage you to establish something family, uh, as, as, as a family, establish something. We pray as a family often. I'm not going to say every, every night because it doesn't happen every night. But we pray as often as we can as a family. Now, let me tell you this. I know that we have about six minutes left. A kabash, I'm just, just forgive me because I can only tell you about us as a family and what we have established. A kabash, a doesn't litter. Did you hear that? A kabash, a dozen liter ever. If I were to wind my window down and throw anything on the floor, Nandi screams at me. They tell me. They respect me as their father, but they know what is out of uh, protocol with regards to what we stand for as a family. None of them. If you have something out there, you put it in your bag, you have to throw it, dispose of it in the, in the bin. No, these are family values. Family, we don't throw it on the ground. Our kids are not allowed to fight. My oldest son is 17, the other one is 16. They have never had a physical fight. They may play around and fool around, but they are not, they never, they've never fought ever. They've never, even when they were kids, they've never fought. We've, we've always intervened, and it's not allowed. Nandi would have little squabbles with Levi, but it's never a fight, you know. They, they, are, they, they are not allowed to fight. They've never fought. Let me just establish that. So we establish these things so that when Joshua has his own family, he takes that with him. That's the whole point. The strategic purpose of family. <laughs> family, family. The strategic purpose of family it's, it's the things I'm establishing and talking to you about. Amen. So, I want to repeat as we wrap up in the last, last five minutes. I'm going to go to core values. These values are transgenerational. Family values are transgenerational. They must pass them on. And I'll be blessed when they do. And then they must do the same in their household and with their children. Now. Understand these personal values and family values. I said to you before, understand this. 
They are safeguards, safeguards. Imagine if you have strong personal values and you have strong family values. What I'm going to discuss with you now uh, is not even shaken because there are two layers that protect your core values. Now, briefly and quickly, let's move on to the core values, that small ring on the inside there. Now, these are informed strictly by God's word, strictly by God's word. As such, they are non-negotiable. Now, family, core values, it's who you are. It's your very being. It's your very identity. They are a no-go area. A no-go area. We cannot negotiate. We cannot discuss those. Those are they are who I am. They, they, they define me. If you take that away, I am done. I cease to exist. I've got no boundaries. I've got no identity as a person. What are they? There's a couple of them. It's because of time. I'll just mention a few. The Ten Commandments, for instance. It's a no-go area. You shall, not, shall have no other gods. You shall not worship idols. Always treat God's name with respect. Honor the Sabbath day and rest in one day of the week. Obey, honor your parents. Those are non-negotiables. Do not hurt others with words. Keep your promises to others and God. Do not steal from others. Always tell the truth. Do not be jealous or envious of others. These are sacrosanct. They are intact. They cannot, they are just divine. They flow from God's word. They are non-negotiables. Second one is belief. I said the first one is Ten Commandments. The second one is belief in traditional marriage. Now, I want you to know this family because you may add others here. I'm just telling you what I am dealing with here. Belief in traditional marriage. A marriage, according to the scriptures, is between man and a woman. I will not ex expound on that. That's a, a core value. That's what we believe. All my children, that's what we believe. It's a core value. Marriage, as the scriptures explain and discuss it, it's between man and a woman. Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve. That's what it is. It is established in the scriptures. Number three, Jesus is the savior of the world and his name is the most powerful above all. That is what I cherish. I don't care who else has got whatever name. As far as I'm concerned, wherever I go, Jesus has the name that is above every other name. Another one, family. God is first, then family. God first, then family next. Then whatever else that comes, God first, then family, God, family, then whatever else that comes. Remember that. Number five, no sex before marriage. It's a core value. No sex before marriage. It's a non-negotiable. No sex outside marriage. It's a non-negotiable. It's a core value. No self-administered sex. It's a non-negotiable. A holy person does not do that. It's a core value. A holy person is temperate and self-controlled. Number eight, the Bible is God's word. I can carry on, family, with tithing, but I want you to know, as we close, Bazalwan, it's half past ten, Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, 
For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What is your life built on family? I encourage you to begin to develop values. What do you say no to? Do you have boundaries? Is your life fenced in? What are your personal values? What are your family values? What are your core values? Without these things, family, we, we cease being the church. So I pray in Jesus' name that the Lord God will begin to uh, give you an understanding of these things. The Lord is restoring his church. He wants people, not just people who just get excited and go to church, but people who have a base, a solid ground. Uh, they've anchored their beliefs in his word. They are unshakable and they are unmovable. Now I want to pray. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for this word. I thank you for the word of God that's full of life. Father, even as we have spoken this morning, I pray that there begins to be a, a new season that's being born in the people's lives as, as individuals and as families, oh God, in the name of Jesus, for you are restoring your church. You are restoring your people in the name of Jesus and God's people said, Alleluia.